are back on Right Now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Coming to you on the Mojo 5 radio network, streaming live on iHeartRadio. Or you can listen on demand at the podcast at iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at Right Now Jim Dawes. If you prefer to send an email, that address is rightnowjimdolls at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line and get something off your chest at 772-245-0750. That number for the vent line, again, is 772-245-0750. You know, it was a few months ago that Donald Trump... uh, uh, I think he was talking about the China trade uh, conflict, uh, said that he has, he was the chosen one. And, you know, with the the behavior of the Democrats, who seem to be, um, you know, just uh, jumping off uh, the cliff like a bunch of lemmings uh, in this uh, impeachment fever that they've got, I'm beginning to believe that Donald Trump is, in fact, the chosen one and was sent by God to save this country. Now, I know that that Trump is uh, no saint, either in his, uh, his personal behaviors or in his history. He's got a very checkered past. But if you read the Bible, you'll see that uh, God has at many times sent flawed men to do his work. And I think that Donald Trump is one of these flawed men. And, um, and God has blessed Donald Trump with the most incompetent enemies that one could hope for. And, and I thoroughly believe that, uh, you know, God does have a plan and that uh, he is uh, trying to save this nation or at least give us a chance for redemption and salvation. But last week, you know, while the Democrats were out on their 11-day hiatus, only only people that can vote for their own vacation can take 11 days for Thanksgiving. Donald Trump was dunking all over them. He started the week at that big rally in Florida where, you know, he he was perfectly relaxed, confident, conversational, entertaining, calling out, uh, you know, the Democrats and especially uh, creepy Joe Biden and his son Hunter. And then Newsweek magazine got this headline, you know, Donald Trump is going to spend his Thanksgiving playing golf and tweeting. And then the next thing you know, we see these images of Donald Trump over in Afghanistan serving uh, Thanksgiving dinner to the troops and, uh, and really, you know, right at home having dinner with them. They fired this poor Newsweek reporter who was just doing her Trump derangement syndrome act as she had been hired to do. And, uh, and, and while the Democrats were, you know, on their hiatus, uh, Donald Trump was gaining ground on them on the, the, this whole impeachment fever that they're on. And one of the hilarious things that took place is, uh, D- Donald Trump, I think it was on Tuesday of last week, sent out this image, this meme on social media of him, uh, his head superimposed on Rocky Balboa, uh, that famous uh, iconic picture from the Rocky movies, 
which was promptly taken up by the Hong Kong protesters uh, in the streets as an image of their uh, their dedication or their determination to fight the left-wing oppressive communist uh, Chinese government. CNN couldn't enjoy, you know, or or even appreciate the, you know, that it was just a good-natured meme. It wasn't designed to fool anybody. Nobody actually thought that that was Donald Trump, a photo of Donald Trump. But, you know, leftists don't have a sense of humor. And uh, and you hear, heard things like this from a commentator over at CNN. What happens is people look for a strong man, and this feeds right into that. That's one part of it. The other part that's fascinating to me is we've become a visual culture. We now have social media. This is what the political conversation is reduced to in some ways, memes. <laughs> no, it's not what the political conversation is reduced to. It's just a lighthearted aside. Calm down. But... um you know, CNN is, is locked in this battle. They're trying to delegitimize Fox News and, and all of the other right-wing media. And they're, they're, you know, sort of astoundingly c- complaining that the right-wing media and Fox News are biased. Now, this is CNN. The cable news network of Jeff Zucker, who we have heard, you know, talking in the ears of his uh, his on-air host, telling them to, to get back on impeachment, that they want to talk about impeachment, ignore everything else and talk about impeachment. But you've got, um, you know, commentators on the air over there complaining about any sort of dissonant voices on the topic of Donald Trump. Fox is so all in with him. That uh, right-wing media grid that you showed earlier is so uh, important. You know, when we compare it to, we want a historical context, of course, but when we compare it to past uh, impeachment proceedings, you can't come close because of the right-wing media that's out there now and the way it operates. Oh, if it wasn't for this awful right-wing media, we could get this guy out of here. You know, they, they liked the days back in Watergate when uh, the liberals, they weren't left-wingers back then. They were more liberals um, in the in the traditional sense. But they controlled all the media. They had, uh, you know, the New York Times and the Washington Post, and everybody else took their lead from those those two newspapers. And, uh, and the evening news shows on the networks just basically, you know, took their marching orders from the, the paper of record, the New York Times and the Washington Post. Well, those days are gone, and now, um, now the conservatives and the right wingers have ways to get their own message out. And uh, <laughs> CNN is mad that the left can no longer control the narrative one hundred percent of the time. You know, you and you got to really appreciate living in in this time. I know that they're censoring us on social media and on the internet. But, you know, the, the right wing and the alternate media, of which I like to think of this show as part of, are able to sort of wage a guerrilla campaign and, and get our message out to uh, the influencers and the oh, 5 or 10% of people who really shape public opinion. And uh, 
And now they no longer have the field. You know, if if we lived back in the old days, they would probably be coronating Joe Biden to be the uh, the next president of the United States because you wouldn't see things like corn pop and Biden's hairy legs. <laughs> that shows that, you know, Joe Biden is, is an incompetent um, candidate suffering from dementia. But they're still trying to drag old Joe over the line. I don't believe he's going to be the nominee, but if the Democrats are foolish enough to nominate him, it's going to be a bloodbath in the general election. Can they not see what Donald Trump will do to this this guy? And and I got I I have met and said it uh, you know across the desk from Joe Biden on several occasions back when I was. Uh, head of the firefighters association in Georgia, we would go to Washington and, and talk about our issues. And I've met with uh, Joe Biden, you know, in, in social and in professional, uh, settings. He, he's old Joe Biden. He's, you know, sort of a horse's rear end, but he's not a bad guy. He's just, uh, he's just way, way out of his depth. He was back in those days. And now, you know he he's out there in front, front and center as their uh, their you know odds-on favorite to be a nominee, and everybody's getting a you know a close-up look at who Joe Biden really is as he sort of Mister Magoo's as David Axelrod said from one gaff, one cringe-worthy gaff to the next, and Joe, you know. Everybody's starting to feel bad for him. I guess that would be his only advantage with Trump. You know, people might get mad at Trump for making fun of this old guy. But this onset early on, well, I guess it's not early onset, but this onset uh, of dementia that he's suffering is really starting to expose a very, very creepy side of him. You know, the the thought processes that went behind all of those terrible images we've seen of him uh, touching, uh, children inappropriately and snuggling up to, uh, in their, their hair and, and just acting totally cringeworthy. And, and this meme, I gonna, I'm going to play it for you again. This is, uh, this is when, you know, he was giving that speech in spring of 2017 at this pool in, um, in Delaware where they're, they're dedicating it to him because he worked there when he was a teenage lifeguard. That's the, the famous corn pop speech and how they, they missed this other uh, clip when they were releasing the corn pop speech uh, is kind of a head scratcher, but uh, you know, this is the Biden hairy legs sound bite that is going to haunt him and I think is going to doom his presidential campaign uh, as it soaks into the American consciousness because it exposes, you know, uh, just how really creepy Joe Biden is. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand and it get hot. I got a lot of I got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again. They'd look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. 
That is a weird, weird dude. He hasn't always been that weird, or if he was that weird, he at least had the wherewithal to keep it, you know, hidden. He's out there on a no malarkey tour now. <laughs> He's on the no malarkey tour. All the the uh, millennials and Gen Xers are saying, well, you know, what's malarkey? That's a that's a a, a baby boomer term. Uh, say what boomer? But. It's not a baby boomer turn. I'm a baby boomer. I can tell you that malarkey was not part of our vocabulary. That's from the uh, the World War II generation, the No Malarkey Tour. There's another clip that came out of that um, that speech at the pool. <laughs> that's uh, that's not going to play well as as it is, it soaks into the uh, consciousness of the electorate in South Carolina where old Joe d- depends heavily on the black vote to, uh, to drag him over the line. He, uh, he says this going to key room at lunchtime after a free swim and sit on the floor because it was nice and cool. And remember boom, boom, Cannon and a few other guys that worked here well as well. And we sit there and we talk and it asked me questions because I really was, the only white guy they really knew. Oh, so uh, old Joe was the only white guy that they knew, so they had to ask him questions. <laughs> That's a little bit of malarkey right there. Over there at uh, at CNN, they're they're talking about this uh, this no malarkey and what 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 the heck is old Joe Biden talking about? I'm curious about the whole no malarkey thing, because I know you explained what it was all about yesterday. A lot of people online, though, have been making a lot of fun of it, saying it's the ultimate uh, OK Boomer. But what are voters there in Iowa think of this no malarkey thing? Uh, and an important phrase that he wants to get across to voters, that this means, as he also put it to me yesterday, it's an Irish term that means no BS, if we're allowed to say that much. <laughs> well, it's not a no, it's not a boomer term, no malarkey. And uh, it's very interesting that he t- kicked off his no malarkey tour and immediately went up on the uh, the stump and started talking about uh, how many times he had met with Kim Jong-un and Xi Jinping. He has never met with Kim Jong-un or Xi Jinping. So he's out there on his no malarkey tour spreading the malarkey on thick. And this is the leader for the Democrats nomination he's leading he's a disaster he was a disaster the two previous times he ran for election and and this time it's even worse he said yesterday uh seeing the writing on the wall that he no longer needs barack obama's endorsement remember he was saying that he didn't want it until he got the the nomination and now he's saying he doesn't need it and the reason he's saying that is because barack obama has gone out and recruited duval patrick to run for the nomination and, and try to recapture this magic Negro strategy that, uh, that, that Obama wrote into the white house. We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to get an update on, uh, the terrorist attack over in London. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. 
They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. Well, if you thought the justice system was screwed up in the United States, and I think it is, I think that uh, justice is dispensed on how much justice you can afford. But if you look over at Great Britain, uh, their justice system is an absolute mess. You know, this uh, this latest terror attack uh, that took place at the Fishmongers Hall near London Bridge was uh, uh, just a look inside a really disastrous um, uh, justice system over there. This guy had originally been sentenced for plotting to blow up the London Stock Exchange and assassinate Boris Yeltsin. He was uh, not Boris Yeltsin, uh, Boris Johnson. He was sentenced to 16 years, and uh, at that time they said that he was going to have to serve all of those 16 years. Just 16 years, I should say. But in the meantime, uh, this, this Court of Appeals came in and uh, replaced his sentence, his 16-year sentence, with one of less than half that. And then he was released uh, back uh, in December of last year. It only took him about six months to plot his newest terror attack, where he was actually at a conference that was designed to reintegrate him into British society. <laughs> he killed the guy, the, the do-gooder social justice warrior that was leading the conference. And now it's coming to light that, you know, he wasn't he wasn't uh, alone in he he wasn't somebody who just fell through the cracks. The British justice system has released at least seventy two other terrorists that, that uh, have been convicted under you know this um, this court of appeals uh, ruling. So they're out roaming the streets right now, waiting you know with ankle collars on or ankle. Um, Monitors on, waiting to, waiting to mount their own terrorist attack. It's uh, it's kind of you know if you're as an Islamic terrorist and you're sitting over there in the Middle East, plotting your revenge against the degenerate West, and you see how stupidly England is behaving letting these terrorists out on their streets. And you see that the uh, Metropolitan Police Department is led by a, a, a tiny little woman that looks for all the world like a school marm and that uh, you got a Muslim uh, mayor in charge of London. You think, well, all of that's just there for the taking. Let's, uh, let's get over there and, uh, and begin our campaign. So, um, you know, I've told you, I've been telling you since uh, way back in the early days of the Russiagate hoax that um, anybody that's relying on this Inspector General report, this investigation that the Department of Justice's IG is conducting into um, uh, McCabe and Strzok and Page and Comey, if you're thinking that that is going to reveal any justice, well, you're just sadly mistaken and don't really understand the role of a, a federal government agency's 
inspector general. The inspector general of any of these agencies is not there to get to the bottom of corruption or to expose wrongdoing. He is there to protect the institution by claiming that, uh, that they're doing an investigation and that they're going to get to the bottom of it, but not actually, you know, doing anything that is going to upset that bureaucracy. Now, oh yeah, they might throw a few minor players under the bus. They, uh, I think they determined at one point that, uh, Andrew McCabe lied, um, during one of his, uh, interviews but you know they're they're not going to do anything to really trigger any systemic reforms and this particular inspector general has taken over two years over two years to look into uh the justice department's interference in the 2016 election all of that was designed to try to you know let the uh let the let the facts become more muddied and and uh public sentiment to sort of calm down and now he's finally on the verge of issuing his report and it's said to be you know a, a big disappointment to the people that wanted to get to the bottom of the spygate scandal and i can tell you that's exactly what it is going to be and that was what it was going to be all along because this inspector general is going to claim that there was no biased by um by FBI and Department of Justice agents that um, that you know the the investigation into Donald Trump was properly predicated. Now, if you read those text messages between Strzok and Page, you know for a fact that that's just a bold-faced lie. Well, now, oh William Barr has uh, has come forward and said publicly. Actually, um, no, it's being reported by anonymous sources that uh, the, new the new attorney general disagrees with the finding by the inspector general Horowitz. And that sort of gives me some confidence that maybe Bill Barr is the real deal and that he really will get to the bottom of all this because it's quite clear that, uh, that the uh, Department of Justice and the FBI and the CIA all uh, interfered for political reasons in 2016, and Bill Barr has been over to Italy and actually, and the uh, and the United Kingdom, and actually seen some of the evidence. So it's very encouraging that Bill Barr is uh, is you know getting ahead of the curb, and um, and saying that Michael Horowitz is not going to have the last word on this. Of course. The IG report will give the Democrats a lot of fodder to claim that Bill Barr is somehow, you know, just a political actor and uh, and acting in uh, in a partisan way himself. Yeah, Michael Horowitz was never ever going to really pull back the curtain and expose the wrongdoing at the Department of Justice or the FBI. He's there to protect the FBI and the Department of Justice. And it looks like that that's exactly what his uh, report will find. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll catch up on the latest impeachment news, take a look at the Democrats' uh, candidates, 
uh, and their latest hijinks and, uh, and other news. Stick with us. We'll be right back uh, right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture. In America, first perspective. Well, the one thing that the Democrat field has going for it is they've got old Joe Biden up there uh, just making such breathtaking gaffes that it's uh, it's sort of detracting away from the crazy things that the rest of the Democrat field is saying. He had old Joe Biden up there on his no malarkey tour claiming that um, he had met many times with Kim Jong-un when, in fact, he's never met with Kim Jong-un. And at one point, he was being introduced by his wife, a perfectly lovely lady, who uh, <laughs> reached over from the podium and and uh, and sort of, uh, you know, presented him with her hand. And um, old Joe Biden took the opportunity to start sucking on her fingers. <laughs> So while we could be talking about the crazy policy prescriptions that the rest of the Democrat field are proposing, you know, we're we're constantly uh, led from one crazy Joe Biden gaffe to the next. Between the finger sucking and the leg hair story, he, he's getting all the attention. And, uh, and like Pete Buttigieg, who we're told is the uh, is now leading in Iowa. If you can wrap your mind around that, Iowa wants to put a uh, a president in the White House with a a first husband, um, a male president, and as president and a first gentleman, you know, is uh, in in the White House. But Pete Buttigieg is uh, he's looking forward to South Carolina, where a you know. A majority, I think 60% of the Democrat primary voters are black. And the blacks are not at all interested in uh, in voting for a gay candidate. They're more socially conservative uh, than even, you know, the, the white electorate. 
and he's he's got uh, exactly zero percent of the black vote in South Carolina. I guess you know there's a number down there, way uh, some some fraction of a one percent that he's actually got, but he's not he's not even up to you know one percent. So he's said to have zero percent vote. So he's now uh, on his apology tour in South Carolina at the black churches, and he's saying. Um, saying things like this. I do understand the concern. Uh, What I said uh, in that comment before I became mayor uh, does not reflect the totality of my understanding. Well, I should have set that up better. He's he's uh, as he went to South Carolina, the the Democrats are desperately trying to come up with a rationale why uh, the blacks won't support Pete Buttigieg because they they want to hide the fact you know that blacks are just as capable as whites are of discrimination and bias, and they're uh, they're not going to vote for uh, Pete Buttigieg, gay Pete Buttigieg, and and put a uh, a first gentleman in the White House. And so um, they're trying to come up with another rationale, and they uh, they went back and they found this soundbite in Mayor Pete's background where he's talking about uh, there were no black role models. The kids need to see evidence that education is going to work for them, right? You so go. you see a lot of parts of That's town. That's part of the motivation. Yeah, because you're, you're motivated because you, you believe that at the end of your educational process, there's a reward, there's a stable life, there's a job. And there are a lot of kids, especially the lower income minority neighborhoods, who Ooh. literally just haven't yeah. seen it work. Uh, there isn't somebody they know personally and I think that's uh, who testifies to the value of education. So, yeah, meet that you bet. no black role models. So, you know, that, that clip's out there, and it's, uh, it's going to turn uh, the black electorate and the Democrat Party even more against Pete. So he's gone on this apology tour at black churches in South Carolina, and he's saying things like this. I do understand the concern. Uh, what I said uh, in that comment before I became mayor uh, does not reflect the totality of my understanding then and certainly now that students of color face today. I believe I was speaking about uh, the need for mentorship and the need for career pathways. But uh, the problem is to the extent that that feels like it's validating a narrative that sometimes blames the victim uh, for the consequences of systemic racism. Understand uh, why he was upset and uh, on the perspective and, and largely agree. Oh, Pete's really got that social justice warrior patter down. You know, he could step right into any classroom and impose that on the uh, young skulls full of mush in any university across the country. They always uh, refer to, you know, these, these privileges that uh, white people have. They never actually enumerate you know what exactly are they talking about with these privileges that white people are enjoying these days and and these disadvantages that uh, that black people are uh, supposedly suffering there's a, a a quite large black middle class in this country that are doing pretty darn well and mayor pete going out there and claiming that they they have no role models black people don't is just a bunch of hokum but old pete is is sorry he's really really sorry he, he, he wants everybody to know that, and that's, uh, you know, that's one of the prerequisites for a white candidate in the Democrat field. He has to go on these apology tours 
the concern of this perspective that makes it sound like uh, you know it, it's all the, the fault of uh, uh, students of color or somehow their families uh, that they struggle to get ahead when the reality is there are so many barriers that our system puts what up. barriers? Uh, and I want to make sure I communicated that I'm very conscious of the advantages and privileges that I have had, not through any great wealth, but certainly through education, uh, through the advantages that come with being white. The advantages that come with being white, again, they never give any examples of these barriers that they talk about or any examples of these great benefits of white privilege. They just speak as if this is all understood and doesn't need to be, um, you know, doesn't need to be actually uh, talk, uh, named. We, we don't need to name it. We can just refer to it. So Buttigieg is leading in Iowa. I think he's also leading by a smaller margin in North in, uh, in New Hampshire. But when he comes to South Carolina, that's going to be his Waterloo. Elizabeth Warren's out there on the tra- trail saying one crazy thing after another that we don't pay any attention to because we've got a, Oh, crazy Joe out there uh, going from one gap to another. But uh, yesterday, actually, I guess it was uh, over the weekend, Elizabeth Warren was out there saying that, uh, you know, one of the first things she's going to do when she becomes president is abolish the Electoral College. As a presidential candidate, what are your thoughts on the Electoral College? Uh, I want to get rid of it. So here's my goal. My goal is to get elected and then to be the last American president elected by the Electoral College. I want the second term to be that I got elected by direct vote. I'm ready. Popular vote. Um, I just think this is how a democracy should work. Call me old-fashioned, but I think the person who gets the most votes should win. So I'm in. So I'm in. Let's just ignore for the moment that, uh, you know, abolishing the Electoral College would require an amendment to the Constitution of the United States, which is never going to happen. But just think about you've got a, a candidate for president that is running directly against the Constitution. It would require two-thirds of the states to ratify this amendment that she proposes. They're never going to do it. Because, you know, Los Angeles County, I think it's got a population of about seven and a half million people, many of which are illegal aliens. But they've got a larger population than 40 states, 40 individual states, not 40 states combined, but 40 individual states. Los Angeles County has a larger population than 40 states. I think Los Angeles County has a larger population than about a dozen states combined. But there's no way that, you know, 40 states are going to, those 40 states are going to vote to disenfranchise their own voters. What Elizabeth Warren and these other lefties in the Democrat field are saying is they want the United States to be governed by California or New York. And uh, if if we don't do that, they're telling us, then the elections are somehow illegitimate. No, that's how the country was established. So that you wouldn't have big states like California and New York running roughshod over the rest of the states. 
Now, the way they're, they've got apportionment going that uh, determines the representatives in, uh, you know, in the House, these big states do have an outsized influence. But the founders knew as, as part of a counterbalance to that, they would have two senators from each state, and uh, the, the presidency would be determined by an electoral college. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a bug. It was a feature. And it really shows you the wisdom of the founders that they, they knew in order to hold uh, a, a union of 50, well, at the time, 13 states together, that you were going to have to counterbalance the interests of the small states and the large states. But the Democrats don't like that because they could, you know, they could just campaign in, uh, in deeply blue California and New York and, and win the election. Got old Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> They're already starting to play ads down here in Florida. He's he spent he's dedicated. It's either fifty three or five hundred and thirty million dollars. I'll I'll get that straight. On this uh, this ad campaign, he's not going to try to to get on the debate stage because you have to have uh, a certain number of donations even if it's just $1 to, to qualify to be on the debate stage, and he wouldn't do well anyway. So he's just uh, you know opening up his own checkbook and spending part of his billions of dollars to try to buy the office. And uh, he's determined that the, the Democrats are, in fact, hurting themselves with this impeachment effort, and he's got to stop Donald Trump because Donald Trump is going to destroy the nation. Here his... his, his uh, campaign manager michael cheeky on cnn with um amanonpour i never can pronounce her name talking about the rationale behind the michael bloomberg candidacy i am running for president to defeat donald trump and to unite and rebuild america kevin cheeky is michael bloomberg's campaign manager and he's joining me now kevin cheeky welcome I have to ask you the Ted Kennedy question, if anybody remembers that. Why does he want to be president? Listen, I think Mike has has stated himself. He thinks Donald Trump is an existential threat across issues he cares about. Existential threat. And gun control and the environment and public health and other issues. Um, And he thinks that if he doesn't get in this race and actually shake it up, Donald Trump is slated to win. You say that very boldly and boldly. What do you mean? His polls are high. I mean, right now, particularly on the economy, let us just say what we know about his poll. We'll put the the thing up there. Look, Trump approval, 55% on the economy, and, you know, 40 say no. But that's generally what puts a president or an incumbent or a challenger over the top, right? The economy. Yeah, I think, listen, Trump is a complicated, obviously, individual. Um, he has extraordinarily high personal negatives. The economy is obviously doing quite well. The poll shows that. But when you really look at a presidential campaign, we don't have a national campaign. We have a, a campaign that happens in six states. It happens in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida, and Arizona today. And the New York Times polled this earlier this month. We've polled it ourselves. And if that election was occur today, Donald Trump has a pretty clear shot, according to the New York Times, of actually winning all six states. He only needs, needs to win three or four of them. But if he had an election, uh, you know, uh, and it was in those states today, he would win. Even with the impeachment process? Yeah, listen, I think I worry a lot that we're setting ourselves up here to impeachment, acquittal and reelection. 
You know, there are, listen, we're all outraged by what's going on. Anyone oh, who, who looks at those things, uh, you should be outraged by, by what this president has done. Except not. it's not helping in the places where this election will ultimately be decided. There are about 31 congressional districts in this country that are swing districts. Mike Bloomberg spent an enormous amount of money and time and his own leadership to focus on 24 of those races last year. All Republican. We elected 18 Democrats. 15 of them are women. But if you're in one of those districts today and you're a moderate member of Congress, almost all of them would tell you today these impeachment hearings are threatening their reelection. Now, if you think about that, those are the districts, too, where we tilt the, the presidential election, which by definition means, hey, listen, these impeachment proceedings are making the president's reelection more likely, not less likely. <laughs> These impeachment proceedings are making the president's reelection more likely, not less likely. And he's exactly right about that. He says that everybody should be outraged over the president's behavior, but he admits that they're not, and that the the Democrats' jihad is uh, is working to help reelect the president. And he thinks that his candidate, old Michael Bloomberg. Far left gun grabber from Manhattan is uh, is the guy to bring down Donald Trump. I guess because you know he's got this huge fortune that he can try to buy the election with. There's one problem with all of that, and that is Michael Bloomberg has got to get through the Democrat primaries, and and you've got old Elizabeth, uh, you know, uh, Marxist Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders over there. They're not interested. The Democrats aren't in. Um, nominating a billionaire, despite the fact that uh, you know he's a gun grabber and he wants to uh, to do away with uh, the criminal justice in this this country. But you've got you know Michael Bloomberg uh, inherited uh, the mayorship in New York City from Rudy Giuliani, and basically acted as a, a caretaker uh, of Giul- Giuliani's policies, and, and they were successful. One of those policies were stop and frisk, which cut the murder rate in New York City, which was through the roof at the time, cut it in in less than half. It went down actually by almost two-thirds with this st- stop and frisk policy. And... Uh, <laughs> The social justice warriors that uh, control the Democrat Party are against, you know, any sort of aggressive policing that uh, that might uh, bring down crime. But uh, you've got Michael Bloomberg in clips available uh, defending stop and frisk, which, again, I say was a a major success. It was one of the few things that uh, Michael Bloomberg ever done did that was right keeping Rudy Giuliani's policies in place. But you've got Michael Bloomberg on record saying things like this. Disproportionately stop whites too much and minorities too little. Well, it's exactly the reverse of what they say. Uh, they are, I, I don't know where they went to school, but they certainly didn't take a math course. Well, ex- exactly or so. Or a logic course. My goodness. Michael, Michael Bloomberg is never, ever, 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 ever going to get through the Democrat primaries. It's just not going to happen. He can spend as many of his billions of dollars as he wants to. The Democrat electorate is no longer there. He may have had a chance if he had, you know, tried to run in the Republican. Well, no, he wouldn't have had a chance there either. Michael Bloomberg is a politician without a party. He probably could have prevented Trump's reelection if he had run as an independent, got enough of these 
country club Republicans and these uh, these moderate Democrats who are uh, appalled at uh, at what has become of their party, but he's not going to get through the Democrat uh, primaries. We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll catch up on the latest impeachment news. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Mojo. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. I'm sure you know that Michael Bloomberg uh, made his billions of dollars uh, by being the head of Bloomberg News. I don't know anybody that watches or reads Bloomberg News. I never have. Not sure how it became, you know, such a profitable enterprise. Maybe it's a regional thing up there in New York. I know he, you know, does uh, does business news heavily, covers Wall Street and and the uh, the capital markets. But I don't know anybody that uh, that watches Bloomberg News. I've never heard. Uh, I've never even seen them on the cable. Uh, well, I guess I, I, the the way I get my cable, uh, I have to subscribe to it. But uh, Bloomberg News, this supposedly uh, news outlet, has has uh, made the announcement that not only are they not going to investigate or, um, you know, cover Michael Bloomberg's campaign, but they're not going to cover in any critical way at all uh, any of the Democrat campaign because that would be a conflict of interest, and of course it would be. But they are not going to. Um, not investigate the Republican. They're, in other words, they're going to, you know, continue to uh, to disparage and and malign uh, the Trump campaign and the Republicans. But they're, as far as Michael Bloomberg and the other Democrats, it's hands off, which seems to be, you know, just so such a corruption of a news organization that you wonder why Michael Bloomberg wouldn't sort of. Um, divest himself that's what they always uh, say trump ought to do as ought to divest himself of his uh, business interests the difference is of course michael bloomberg's business interest is in a uh, a major um, news report or news uh, organization so in uh, response to all that the trump campaign has decided that they're no longer going to uh, give credentials to bloomberg news and why would they why would you credential Bloomberg News to come in and be critical of your candidate and and the Republicans if they've already deci- uh, announced that they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be uh, fair-handed in their coverage? They're lining up a, a lot of impediments for uh, Trump. Uh, Google has already and YouTube have already taken down over 300 ads by the Trump campaign. So alternative media is going to be more critical than ever. 
and uh, and I hope we can uh, you know continue to grow this audience and displace the uh, the legacy media so that we can uh, you know we can get a little bit of a balanced coverage in our politics. So I misspoke yesterday. I said that uh, Jerry Nadler's hearings were going to begin. Uh, I was sort of you know watching uh, the the news out of the corner of my eye and thought that that was the case, but apparently. Old Job of the Hut, Nadler is uh, not set to begin his hearings in the House Judiciary Committee until Wednesday, when he's set to call forward a uh, a panel of constitutional experts that will say, based on Adam Schiff's bogus uh, impeachment report, that uh, you know uh, we just desperately have to remove this president. Old Jabba, he's his. I think his lap band is uh, is a little too tight, but back when he was, um, you know, more in his job of the hut phase, he was saying things like this. He knew quite properly that an impeachment of a president is an undoing of a national election. And one of the reasons we all feel so angry about what they are doing is that they are ripping from us. They are ripping asunder our votes. They are telling us that our votes don't count. And that the election must be set aside. <laughs> oh, man, if Democrats didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have any standards at all. For his part, the ranking Republican on the House Judiciary Committee, Doug Collins, from my former home state of Georgia, is uh, is pledging uh, that, you know, as long as Jerry Nadler is asking for our witness list, the first witness we would like to call is old pencil neck Adam Schiff himself. Ranking Republican Doug Collins said the first witness he wants to call is House Intel Chairman Adam Schiff. It's easy to hide behind a report. It's easy to hide behind a gavel in intelligence committees behind closed door hearings. But it's going to be one another thing to actually get up and have to answer questions. <laughs> and yesterday, uh, also related to this impeachment effort, you had the uh, the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, Step to the microphones and uh, say once again that uh, there was no quid pro quo in his dealings with Donald Trump. You know, pouring wet, uh, pouring cold water all over this impeachment effort. Oh, he says, listen, I never talked to the president from the position of a quid pro quo. That's not my thing. I don't want us to look like beggars. But you have to understand we're at war. If you're our strategic partner, then you can't go blocking anything for us. I think that's just about fairness. It's not about a quid pro quo. It just goes. Well, I mean, he admits there was no quid pro quo, but this idea that it's all about fairness, that the American taxpayer provide Ukraine with billions of dollars in uh, military aid is, uh, is just another way for the military-industrial complex to, you know, to, to get their cut. There's no, there's no strategic national interest for the United States and Ukraine whatsoever. Now, you could argue that Europe has a strategic national interest, but they're uh, they're perfectly happy to sit back and let the United States taxpayer um, carry carry the load on that. Over at MSNBC, you've got this so-called historian, David Brinkley, just determined that despite the fact of everything that Zelensky is saying, that Donald Trump is in serious trouble. It just tells you uh, what deep trouble Donald Trump's in. I mean, when you have 50% of the country wanting you, not, not just impeached, but removed from office, 
and the game hasn't even gotten fast yet. I think once the vote's <laughs> taken um, by Congress to impeach him and he's wearing the eye on his chest, you're going to see that movement grow even more. It tells you he doesn't have a lot of friends. He's a base politician. He doesn't know how to turn this around. And I think the charges of corruption are just deep and real. You know, that's some of uh, David Brinkley's own biases coming through. Yes, he is a base politician. All politicians in this day and age are base politicians. And he has about 93% of the Republican base behind him, which means that that, uh, that House majority over there in the Senate is no way, no how ever going to remove Donald Trump. Mm-mm. Collins at the, uh, at the House Judiciary Committee, uh, I think, called it right when he said this. If the Judiciary Committee simply has a constitutional scholar hearing and then they have a presentation of a report by Adam Schiff and we go straight to a markup, that is a failure on Chairman Nadler of the ultimate proportion. The fail of the ultimate proportions, and that's, uh, that's exactly where we're headed. If they want to sacrifice their House majority on this altar of impeachment, I guess there's no stopping them. But that's, uh, that's where all of this is headed. So uh, in tomorrow's show, we're going to cover this new movie that's out that's trying to redefine um, the uh, the whole torture issue. You know, they're going to talk about how bad waterboarding is. And again, I'm going to point out that uh, thousands of American service members have been waterboarded in training and that there is nothing uh, that would classify under the Geneva Convention about torture and waterboarding. So I hope you'll join us then. Until then, that's the end of this edition. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back again right here tomorrow for another edition of Right Now on the Mojo 5.0 Network, Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.